Hey guys, thanks for joining me for this 69th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. Special guests for this episode include dog groomer and judge Jorge Bendersky, talking about Pitch Perfect, which airs Tuesdays, 8 Eastern, 7 local time on ABC. We'll also visit with extra correspondent and friend of the show, Jennifer Lommers, talking about the Academy Awards coverage from last night. We'll also visit with acclaimed film critic, Ryan Jay, also talking more coverage of the Academy Awards. And our final guest will be Bishop T.D. Jakes, got a new book, Don't Drop the Mic. If you would, please take the time to subscribe, comment, leave some feedback, check out the shop, and share with your friends. Now, last Thursday, Zac Efron appeared on the online special Earth Day the Musical, but he didn't look quite like himself. Now, he put on some muscle, and that may or may not have had something to do with his face taking on a slightly different shape. Now, some people compared him to Handsome Squidward from SpongeBob SquarePants. Now, people are speculating that he had plastic surgery or maybe Botox and other fillers. Zach has his share of defenders who are calling out everyone for commenting on his look. Now, someone also pointed out that people were freaking out about how much weight Chadwick Boseman had lost before we knew he was battling cancer. Now, look, I don't know if we should be dragging someone when they suddenly show up with a new look, but should it be out of bounds to even comment on it? I mean, we all see it. Should we pretend that we don't? That's the question. The ABC reality series Pooch Perfect, Tuesdays 8 Eastern, 7 local time. And from that, we've got Jorge Bendersky on the line with us this morning. And first off, Jorge, I appreciate you taking some time, brother. Thank you for having me. I'm wagging my emotional tail like a <laughs> Now, Now, where did your love for dogs turn into grooming and then now judging this Pooch Perfect uh, reality series? How did that all go for you? It's in that full circle. I started when I was 11 years old just because a family member had dogs and I helped her to brush them and groom them. And when I moved to New York 27 years ago, I couldn't speak one word in English. And if you ask Lisa Vanderpump, I still can't. But uh, and so I started, you know, I turned my hobby into my profession and I never look, you know, look back. I, I learned the craft. I'm perfected, I study, and, you know, and I love it. And I got to, I was a competitor in a reality TV competition 13 years ago, and now I'm a judge. So, you know, you cannot sing and dance me. You know, I know grooming from inside out. Now, what is, uh, is there a particular breed of dog that is your personal favorite to groom? You know, I always say the be the best behaved dogs are the best dogs to groom. I'm not really a, a, a breed specific guy. I love dogs that they've been exposed to grooming since they're puppies because they love. They take it as a, as a spa day, you know. So a dog that is used to grooming is always the best dog to groom because. A dog will look like the dog behaves. For you on Pooch Perfect, as, as folks have been able to check it out here in the early going, if folks have not had the chance to check it out, tell our listeners a little bit about the uh, the reality series and, and how the competition goes as well. Well, it's a, it's a competition where we got the 10 best dog groomers in the country and their assistants, and they compete on creative grooming. Creative grooming is turning a dog into a pumpkin, 
or a skunk. Or like this coming week is Disney week. So you will have the dogs turning into Frozen, into a Hercules, into the Little Mermaid, all using their coat, only using non-toxic dog products. That is very important to tell everybody. Every single product that we use are non-toxic and designed for dogs. And every week, you know, somebody will be wagging their tail and somebody will get brushed out you know, of the competition. So, but it's getting very hard because the best of the best is really, really bringing incredible pieces of art. For you, what is maybe the biggest misconceptions that the average person has about the industry of uh, of grooming? Well, that they, a lot of people believe that grooming is just about making dogs pretty. And it's not, you know, a, a clean dog, a well-groomed dog is a healthy dog. Through grooming is the best way for early detection or, or kind of like skin diseases, an ear infection, an ingrown nail, uh, you know, fleas and teeth, an allergic reaction. You, you discover all that through grooming. So you cannot depend on a yearly visit to the vet to find out what is wrong with your dog. Regular grooming is a way to keep dogs healthy. And it's not just about making them look pretty. I think I mentioned to you, we've got a few dogs here and uh, they go everywhere from the Yorkie up to the Great Dane. And what's the, what's the biggest thing that you need to be careful of if uh, if you're doing home grooming, especially on a variety of different types of dogs? Well, the most important part is like you need to learn how to use the grooming tools and use the right grooming tool for each kind of coat. You know, if you have a Yorkie, you will use a slicker brush or a pin brush. And you, if you have a dog with short hair, you're using a rubber brush because short hair dogs, they still shed. So by using a rubber brush, you, you make the hair follicles stronger so it will hold the hair longer. So not learning how to use the right tools it is very important in order to, do, to groom your dog safely. That's why I wrote a book that is called Do-It-Yourself Dog Grooming from Puppy Cuts to Best in Show, and that will teach you how to identify different kinds of codes and find the right tools and how to use them. That is the most important part. That's right. And again, the uh, new episodes air Tuesday nights, 8 Eastern, 7 local time on ABC, Pooch Perfect. And Jorge, I always want to make sure and uh, let our listeners know where they can not only find more information about your book, but also everything you got going social media wise as well. Well, you can, uh, you know, Google me, you just put Groomer Jorge or Jorge Benderski. And you can follow me on Instagram. It's with most of the stuff happening right now. And then uh, you can catch Pooch Perfect on Hulu the day after, or if you want to catch up with all the the, the previous uh, episodes. But, you know, I'm everywhere. That's right. Well, again, Jorge Bendersky, it's been great to have the chance to visit with you. Hope you have a continued great rest of your week, and uh, we can catch up again real soon. Perfect. Have a great week. Remember, tomorrow, 8 p.m., ABC. Now, there's nothing like finding out that you're a wanted felon over a technology that basically doesn't even exist anymore. There's a 52-year-old woman named Karen McBride, and she just got married in Texas. But when she went to try to change her last name, there was a problem. She had an outstanding felony charge back in her hometown of Norman, Oklahoma. 
Now, she looked into it, and the felony embezzlement charge comes from 1999 when she rented a VHS tape of Sabrina the Teenage Witch from a video store and never returned it. Now, the charges were filed in March of 2000. She says she has no memory of renting it. Quote, I had lived with a young man, he had two kids, and I'm thinking he went and got it and didn't take it back or something. I have never watched that show in my entire life. It's just not my cup of tea. So obviously she has no idea where the tape is, and even if she did, it wouldn't help. The video store she rented it from went out of business in 2008. Well, even so, technically, the county still could have decided to prosecute her, but they just announced they're dropping the charges. Now she's going to try to get it expunged. She says she's been let go from a lots of jobs for no reason, and this explains it. She says, quote, because when they ran my criminal background check, they're seeing those two words, felony embezzlement. All right, guys, promised you another very special guest. And uh, last night, the Golden Globes. And uh, we always like to visit the day after with our good friend Jennifer Lommers from Extra. And first off, Jen, always great to visit with you, my friend. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, as always. Now, tell us, uh, obviously, last night didn't necessarily live up to some expectations on the excitement side of things. So, Jen, how does that make things a little more difficult for you guys for tonight's, uh, for today's episode? Oh, man. So, listen, I, I applaud the efforts of the Academy for trying to make it a Zoom-free event. I think we are all zoomed out. We're exhausted. But there's something about it being held at a train station with the weird tables and the lamps. As Elton John said, it looks like it's being held at a Starbucks. <laughs> I mean, I thought it was too drastic a departure from the Oscars that we're used to, right? The showmanship of it all, the glitz and the glamour. So if you're leaning into the storytelling uh, and that intimacy, um, you need a narrator, right? I mean, you need a host, I think, especially for this award show. I know that the Oscars has gone hostless the last three years, but man, we could have used one, especially somebody with a comedic background to tie it all together, you know, add some color. Um, usually you have the thread of live performances of all the different songs that were nominated, but there was, we didn't have that. That all happened before the show. So to me, it didn't feel cohesive. Um, and then there were the acceptance speeches. Boy, we found out what can happen when you don't have them in 45 seconds. Uh, one speech was definitely over five minutes long. Um, you know, it's unnecessary. But that said, there were a couple of moments that made the show worth watching, right? I mean, I thought that Tyler Perry's speech was incredible. He got the humanitarian award. He talked about meeting in the middle, and that's where the love happens. That's where the healing happens. Very important, especially for right now. Uh, my other favorite was Glenn Close twerking and dropping F-bombs on live TV. To me, that was the hands-down highlight of the evening. Uh, who knew that she knew the song "The Butt"? <laughs> and then, did you see Daniel Kaluuya uh, during his acceptance speech for Best Supporting Actor, thanking his parents for having sex? Cut to his mom and daddy. Daniel, come on, Daniel! Don't be a mother like that. <laughs> That's hilarious. I now, that was great, now, I know there were some uh, emotional highlights. I know you mentioned the Tyler Perry, but uh, but but for Picture of the Year and and also for Leading Actor, what was your thoughts on that award as well? Yeah, so, I mean, you know, it was a night of, of history-making wins. I mean, Anthony Hopkins became the oldest actor ever to win an Academy Award, 83 years old. But it was a huge upset because 
a lot of people, really most people, thought that Chadwick Boseman would have gotten a posthumous honor there. I mean, it's one best actor, I think, in every major award show leading up to this. Anthony Hopkins, by the way, wasn't even there. Um, you know, I watched Ma Rainey's Black Bottom, and, and obviously it's based on a musical. Uh, so the, the movie felt theatrical, which, you know, I'm not like a big fan of, but I thought he had an exceptional performance, especially now knowing that he had end-stage pancreatic cancer. I mean, but, you know, I didn't see the father, so who am I to judge? Uh, but I know that was a big upset. Also, you know, for the first time in Oscar history, we saw two women nominated in the directing category, Chloe Zhao, first woman of color to win Best Director. Nomadland, did you see that movie? Yeah. Um, well, if, okay, so if you haven't seen it, you know, I think it deserved Best Picture in my book because... You, she, Chloe Zhao and Frances McDormand, who also won Best Actress, spent four months, uh, you know, traveling and shooting this movie in an RV in the middle of nowhere and dealing with real-life nomads. So most of the actors in this film weren't even professional actors. They were, you know, they were just themselves. Um, so I, it really, like, got, uh, you got a good look at a, a piece of society that's been completely disenfranchised, you know, because these are people who were... Uh, from all over the place. I mean, they're, they're middle-aged plus who are out of work. It's hard for them to find jobs. So they work seasonally, and they just live self-sufficient. Um, so I thought it was a, a really, really good story, but you have to kind of know going in what you're in for. And this isn't the kind of movie that you're going to want to watch when, you know, you're folding laundry or doing other things around the house. But it's not action-packed. But I, I definitely think it was well-deserved to win Best Director, Best Actress, and Best Picture. What do you think they take from this year's awards to to bring into next year's? Uh, are, do you think they just need to scrap and, and start anew? To never do it again. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> I think that we need to <laughs> we need to get back to how it used to be, uh, which is you know, like I said, showmanship. Think big. Think glitz. Think glam. It's Hollywood. I mean, that's kind of what you expect to see. That's what you want to see. And I understand. Things had to be different because of COVID. But, you know, as more people get their vaccines and those mask mandates get lifted and social distancing changes, I think that by next year, hopefully we're going to see a return back to normal. Um, and it's not going to be this, this virtual event. Uh, we're going to actually get to be on the red carpet and and interviewing these, pe- these celebrities and, and uh, you know, presenters again like how it used to be, because let me tell you, there was it's just been lacking this whole award season. I know they made the most out of it, but yeah, we want to get back to normal. We want to pack those theaters again, and we want, we want life to resume, so we're looking forward to that. That's right. Now, Jen, were you surprised by how little politics or, or political statements were made last night? Um, not necessarily. I feel like it was mostly about the storytelling and leave the politics at the door. You know, we've, we've again, it's something we're exhausted with. You know, um, we've 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 handled politics in, in different award shows, and I don't know how how much trend, I don't know if it. I personally think that it drives people away, yeah. Yeah. because you're watching award shows for a specific reason. You're watching to escape. You're watching, you know, to be entertained. And if you want to talk politics, turn on the news. You know, go on Twitter, go on Facebook. <laughs> it's everywhere. But I I. I I might be one of the few people to say this, or or maybe one of many, but I don't think politics 
has a place in award shows like that. I really don't. There you go, Jen. Couldn't have said it better myself. <laughs> of course, you can check out Extra on uh, KWTV9 at uh, 1 o'clock. And Jen, I always want to make sure and let folks know where to keep up with everything you've got going social media-wise as well. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram uh, at Jen Lomert with two N's. So yeah, you can check me out there. Thank you for... Uh, allowing me to shamelessly plug myself. Well, Jen, I I would be remiss if I didn't. It's always great to visit with you, and uh, I hope you have a great rest of your week, my friend. Thank you. You too. Well, every parent dreams their child will one day grow up to feel like a freak on a leash, am I right? Well, earlier this month, a woman named Kells in Seattle had a baby girl. And on Friday, she got the baby's birth certificate but the hospital messed it up. She wanted to name her baby Cora, but the hospital wrote down Corn with a K. Yep, just like the band. So her baby's legal name is now Corn. Now Kells tweeted a picture of the mistake and it's now gone viral. She says she's working on getting the name changed. And there was just this uh, little small award show last night, uh, the Oscars 2021, and kind of like everything else, uh, a little bit different uh, this time around. And uh, we've got talking about uh, last night, we've got Ryan J, film critic with us. And first off, Ryan appreciates taking some time to be on the show. Oh, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. I mean, you know, for me, the Oscars is like Christmas. I'm not a big sports (laughs) fan, but as a professional full-time film critic, this is like, you know, the moment of the year. I participate in in voting for a couple other awards shows, but not this one. And this is still the granddaddy of them all. Let's be honest. Now for you, with everything being different, like it was, what was maybe the, the big highlight for you from last night's show? Are you ready? (laughs) I was so different. The highlight for me was the sneak peek of Steven Spielberg's West Side Story, the commercial, because I thought the show was ridiculous. I couldn't believe it. I mean, there was there were no performance, no comedy, no host for the fourth time, no fanfare, uh, no montages, no clips, really. They moved the original songs from the show proper to a pre-show an hour before it so lacked entertainment or any kind of perspective whatsoever. I mean, you had these orange and pink and purple graphics that were an eyesore. You had, sure, it was Union Station and kind of cool and old school, but it also was just this big blue curtain sandwiched between two monitors and a bunch of A-list stars talking to themselves. It could not have been more (laughs) alienating. I thought it was the strangest show that you could ever do. I'm glad they did it, but they seem to sacrifice all of those production values to do it in person. Now, what do you do, what do you think they got right? What were the big wins for you from last night? Well, as is typical for all award seasons, um, they, things tend to sweep. So we see the same winners and almost everything was predictable last night. Everybody won the Oscar that had won the Golden Globe and the Critics' Choice Award and all of those sorts of things, right? The SAG Award. But the big surprise of the night, and I'm disappointed by it, um, was Best Actor, Anthony Hopkins and The Father. You know, it was uh, Chadwick Boseman's night to win, and he'd swept award season prior to that. Um, so that was a big surprise. But but everything else seemed just about right. Now, what uh, in the midst of what we've all been going through, the, obviously the tensions, uh, how do you think they played uh, played that and uh, and trying to be better as a as a people? How do you think they played that in last night? Um, I think it was really, really chill. I was expecting a lot more of. Uh, 
politics or th- people talking about, you know, getting on their soapbox a little bit, which they're always entitled to. It's the, you know, the largest audience they ever have. And so why not have at it? That's their moment. But um, they, uh, it seemed to be pretty chill last night from my perspective. Now, what, uh, what do you think that they missed out the opportunity for last night? What, what, do you, what would you have liked to have seen added in there? I mean, obviously, uh, aside from the performances and the comedy. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I th- but I but I think that's it. How about then just a, a blanket statement of some kind of entertainment factor? Give me a reason to watch. You know, like there, if you didn't see the movies, now granted, I saw all the movies I had to for work, but like the, the average moviegoer saw maybe one, maybe two of any of the Oscar-nominated performances. So how boring had last night's show had to be? I, I mean, I can't even imagine. Now, you talk about having to see all of those movies. I mean, is is there ever a time when you're like, I've got to go sit down and watch a movie? You're like, but I'm just really not in the mood today. Hello, every day. Come on. <laughs> when, when you're when you're a legit film critic and it's like, it, you know, it becomes work. I, I love movies. There's still nothing else I'd rather do. I mean, I feel like I'm, I'm living my, you know, my destiny. However, um, on days specifically where you've got multiple movies to screen and whether you're in the mood or not, it is hard to switch gears. And, you know, you're active listening. You're not just kind of like picking out like, hey, what am I going to watch? You know, sometimes you're in the mood to watch um, a rom-com, but, you, but you're stuck with like a war drama or some gory horror film and have at it (laughs) now for you are there any of those films that maybe didn't win an award that folks haven't seen this year that you would tell them you know if if you've got a list of movies to to kind of check out check out one of these new ones Absolutely. I'd say among all of the nominees, there are a couple movies that are actually potentially crowd pleasers, really, really fun films to watch. The first is Promising Young Woman. Yeah, um, That was really great. That was the one that won best screenplay last night. Um, the other one that's really great, super intense drama, if you can handle it on Amazon Prime, is Pieces of a Woman. That was the one with um, Oscar nominated best actress um, Vanessa Kirby. She looked kind of like a vampire last night. Yeah. If you were noticing. Um, so that that's a really intense, like drama, drama, good movie. And uh, still, I mean, still, if you've got Disney Plus, check out Mulan. Now, w- Co- costumes and effects. Yeah, that's right. Now, if if folks want to keep up with everything you've got going social media wise, obviously your your weekly movie like, reviews, movie reviews. Yeah. Yeah. Not necessarily criticisms on all of them, but if they want to keep up with those reviews as well, where's the best place? Uh, you can go to my website. It's ryanjreviews.com. I'm also on Twitter and Instagram at ryanjreviews. Now, how hard does it get as you get closer to the award season to to play catch up? Or do you have to stay caught up throughout the year so you don't have to do a little, uh, what what was it we did? Uh, cramming, cramming uh, for the tests. Yeah. You, you know, it, it doesn't matter how good you are, actually, um, because I am very good each week seeing the new movies that open uh as they open that, that week, but studios are the naughty ones. Studios are the ones that hold all their big Oscar contenders. <laughs> right. So they're fresh in the mind of the voters and the marketers toward the end, toward the end of the year, toward Oscar and award season. And they just throw at you and, and, you know, an inconceivable amount of movies. Um, so it's, you get backed up regardless. Now, Ryan, what are the upcoming movies in the, in the near future that folks really got to keep their eyes open for? Well, I'm still looking forward to Black Widow. I'm looking forward to Candyman is a horror film, a remake that's coming out. I'm looking forward to, I think, uh, you know, In the Heights looks like it's going to be phenomenal this summer. So there's some big ones. That's right. Well, again, Ryan, it's been great to visit with you. Hopefully next time around, a little more entertainment value next year. Hopefully, right? <laughs> uh, hopefully, definitely. Thanks so much, Cameron. Ryan, great to visit with you, brother. You too.
Meeting new people and hanging with strangers isn't something most people have done for a while. In case you forgot, it can be awkward. So here are a few tips on how to talk to someone when it seems like you have nothing in common. Number one, assume they're interesting. Because most people are interesting once they open up, so be curious and give them a chance. Number two, be a good listener. Now most people love talking about themselves, so be ready to ask questions, which is also a good tip on dates. Number three, be willing to share and get personal. If you're vulnerable with someone and open up, they'll open up too. Number four, come prepared. You can even use a cheat sheet if you need to. It's okay to have some preloaded questions that you can use over and over with different people. Now the ones people always use are, what do you do for work? And how about this weather, huh? But here's one that's more interesting. If they start talking about their job or their kids, just remember the line. What keeps you busy outside of your job or outside of your kids? It's a good way to push the conversation in a different direction. We got a new book to talk about. And first off, TD, always great to visit with you, sir. Thank you, Cameron. It's a real pleasure. I'm glad to be with you and uh, I'm glad to be heard by your audience. Now, Bishop, tell us a little bit about the, the new book, Don't Drop the Mic. I mean, obviously, words mean a lot and, uh, well, a lot of hurtful words been said out this last year. And tell us uh, when the process of the book came to you. Well, you know, it's a funny thing because it actually morphed while it was being birthed. I started out talking to ministers about the diverse ways in which we can express a text and how to become more artful in our language and communication skills. And then the whole world went crazy. I mean, the the pandemic came, the, the racial tensions exploded, everything went crazy. Then I realized that communication is a life or death matter whether it's how we communicated about the virus or whether it's how we communicate about race or how, whether it's how we communicate with our children, there's nothing any more important than talking. Uh, if we're talking, we're still negotiating. If we're talking, uh, we're not divorcing. If we're talking, we're not shooting. If we're talking, we're working toward a more perfect union. And don't drop the mic, sis. Don't give up. Don't walk away from speech and to become more artful at speaking to various groups of people whose background may be different from your own. It will help anybody in the diverse world we live in today. And you talked about uh, speaking with uh, with groups that may, maybe that you're not comfortable with as well. Do you think that that's something that maybe has cut back this last year because of the emotions that everybody's been dealing with? Yes, I think it has. We haven't been able to congregate, number one. And so we've been in isolation. And then number two, we live in a world that's different from the world I was born and raised in. We all listen at the same six o'clock news. Today, you can have the Baskin Robbins effect. You can pick the, <laughs> you can pick the flavor of the news that you want. And 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 our computers sent us the information that we Google. And all of a sudden you live in a false reality that is cut to the continuity of what you already thought. So our opinions have become deepened and more uh, intense and we become more divided and more tribalistic. And tribalism is dangerous to unity mm -hmm. and the idea of democracy, the idea of a republic, the idea of what America stands on will not 
stand if we divert to tribalism. And so there's a lot in the book that I think will help people in the workplace, in the grocery store, with their children, on the stage, uh, because when we communicate, we have the power between our lips to change the world. That's right. And how much do you think that emotions have led to the division that we've seen over not only just the last 12 months, but over about the last decade that we've seen? I think that we are being manipulated into emotions, emotional rage. People are telling us what to be angry about. They're showing us on TV what what would make us angry. Right. They're presenting, you know, it's see the art of preaching, for example, is how you tell the story that determines how the audience feels about the story. And that's also true about the news. And that's also true about what we're exposed to. And we're drinking the Kool-Aid and we need to stop it. We need to stop, stop, stop it and really calm down and back away from everybody else's opinion who who are editorializing the news we ingest because they're poisoning the sense of brotherhood and humanity that we have for each other and also listen more to people and their diverse experience and stop telling each other how we ought to feel. And Bishop, obviously, faith is uh, has helped so many over the last 12 months. And how have you leaned on your faith unlike any time else in your life? Bishop, oh my gosh, you want you want to be on here with me all day. <laughs> <laughs> my my faith really carried me through the, the the frightening time. I've never seen anything quite like the last right. year and a half uh, in all of my life, and I've never buried as many people, and I've never responded to as many people who are traumatized. Remember that trouble doesn't last. Uh, always, but trauma does. And if you're not careful, you think the trouble is over and the trauma is gone, but we're still seeing escalations in murder rates. We're still seeing uh, domestic violence. We're still seeing suicide. The trauma is still on us and we have got to treat the trauma. And Bishop, what do you think it's going to take for us to turn back and and become a a United States again? I mean, there's so much division. What do you think it's going to take for us to come together? You know, I really, really do believe this is really going to shock you. Uh, I really (laughs) think there's more power in Starbucks than there is in the White House. I think that when we sit across the table with each other and have a cup of coffee with people that are different from us, we can become more united than we can where politics enters into the game and people have hidden agendas and career agendas and they take positions based on their longevity in office. I think the real hope of America is on the elevator and in the mall and in the bus and in the grocery store when we as Americans talk to each other and get together and break stereotypical ideas about each other. That's right. And again, I want to make sure, Bishop, and mention where folks can find more information about Don't Drop the Mic and, of course, everything you've got going social media-wise as well. 
Yes, yes, I'm I'm on social media, Instagram, uh, Twitter, and Facebook at Bishop Jakes. They can reach me. I'm pretty easy to find. I just did two. I'm very happy about two Lifetime movies that my company produced uh, for Lifetime, getting ready to produce two more. So you can get updated. My leadership conference starts this weekend. I've got a lot going on. You can be <laughs> updated on all that's going on if you go to tdjakes.org. Uh, you can pretty much see what's going on in my All right. Well, Bishop T.D. Jakes, it is always a privilege to have the chance to visit with you, sir. Appreciate your time and uh, look forward to talking again real soon. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Well, thanks again for joining us for this 69th episode in Season 2 of Good Questions with Cameron Dole. If you ever have a comment, question, or anything else you'd like to know, you can hit me up on the contact page at gqwithcam.com. You can also find me on socials, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at GQ with Cam. If you'd like to help out in the funding for this podcast, visit the merch store. We've got hoodies, mugs, tumblers, shirts, stickers, and more. GQwithcam.com forward slash shop. If you have a special guest idea, email me GQwithcam at gmail.com. Thanks again to Brandon Allen for coming up with our theme music. We're going to let him play us out and hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday.